0: We are going to continue our series today called Relations in Genesis, looking at some of the families and the significant people uh, in the book of Genesis. This is part three today, and uh, our special guest is Ron Rust, and he is here today with his wife, Anna, as you already heard, the 46 years of experience in ministry. Both of them are ordained ministers and uh, Pastor Ron has pastored many churches in the province of Quebec. Most recently, Trinity Pentecostal Church for I think 14 years, 15 years, and just just retired. Okay, I I say that in quotes because he's busy as a beaver since he is retired. So uh, you're going to love his ministry this morning as he shares on the subject what defines you from the life of Noah. Would you please welcome Pastor Ron Rust.
1: Thank you great to be here. Hold on, I want to bring this up a bit. Welcome to City Point Church. It is exciting to be here to see friends and other colleagues in ministry, other friends we've known uh, for many years, and also uh, Pastor Joe and Janet, whom we know since the year 2000. Uh, We've been connected for many, many years together and uh, profoundly respect their, their ministry and feel that they're God's man and woman for this church and for this area, and you are in good hands under their ministry. Well, this morning, time is limited, and I have something burning in my heart relating to relations in Genesis. I want to talk to you about Noah this morning. And to get things going, I'm just going to put this here for the moment. I want to talk about what defines you. Human, be- human beings are defined by their relationships more than anything else. Relationships tell us who we are and where we are and where we're going and our relationships define us in terms of where we're going and throughout the Bible we see many people who are selected and their lives were determined by their relationships. You think of uh, Jacob and Esau, or you think about Abraham and his wife, or you think about Jesus with the, you know, his 12 disciples. Relationships are your legacy for your future. Genesis 1 talks to us about the fact that we're created in God's image. It might be hard to fathom, but the fact is you are God's masterpiece. And the only thing in this world with inherent value, where the only creation that Jesus was willing to die for, with whom God wants a relationship with, being made in God's image, can't be taken away from you, no matter what somebody says against you. Your worth is not defined by others. It's defined by God, and he says you're special turn to someone next to you and say, you are worth more than you realize. You are worth all the effort it took to make this world. You are worth the sacrifice of the Son of God, Jesus. You are worth the diligence it took to produce the Bible. You are worth every event that has shaped God's will since the beginning of time. You are valuable because God says so, and this should define you. Your worth is not based just on the job you do or on what people think about you or say about you. God says he wants a relationship with you. This must be defined on his terms because he is the owner. He is the creator of our past, present, and future God is faithful to forgive a genuine heart, a willing heart he will guide. A prime example of one's worth is how a relationship defines us, is in the life of Noah. Let me read to you a little bit about his story. Genesis 6. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth. And that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. And the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth. And his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the earth, face of the earth the human race I've created. And with them the animals, the birds, the creatures that move along the ground. For I regret that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord, and this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. He walked faithfully with God. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence, and God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. And so God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all the people. For the earth is filled with violence because of them, and I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. So God told Noah to build an ark. The world of Noah's time was filled with wickedness and violence. It was everywhere, and God decided that the world had reached the point that he was going to make some changes. He would send a flood to destroy all mankind except for one family, and Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And so God told Noah to build an ark, a giant boat-like structure. The ark was about 510 feet long, 75 feet wide. It would take over one and a half football fields uh, to equal the ark's length. The, that's big enough for NASA to lay three space shuttles uh, on nose to tail on the ark's roof. The roof of Noah's ark was more than 50 feet from the ground, about more than four stories high. There was plenty of space for three extra inner decks, as the Bible describes. And the ark had the same storage capacity as 450 semi-trailers, a cargo capacity of 522 railroad cars, perfectly designed by God for stability in rough seas, six times longer than it was wide. Modern ocean-going vessels like aircraft carriers and oil tankers are built to the same ratio. How would Noah have known how to build it this way? For 120 years, Noah and his family, his wife and three sons and their wives, built the structure and warned of the future judgment. Though people disregarded and ridiculed him, he prepared the ark for his family and he obeyed God. And God brought animals and Noah into the ark, and the rains and the floods occurred. For 40 days and nights, the water rose and it covered the highest mountain, and Noah and his family were safe, floating in the ark. After several months, the ark safely landed on a mountain range and Noah's family and the animals exited safely. Noah spent one year and 17 days. This was no luxury cruise, cramped with all those animals, and I can imagine the smells on that boat. By God's grace and through Noah's obedience, one family survived a worldwide flood Noah is not some kind of fictional character, but a real man, a husband, a father, a grandfather, who faced a never-seen-before active God, and he decided to live by faith. Jesus validates the historicity of Noah's flood, and uh, he says this in Matthew 24, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, there was eating, drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. up to the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will become come at the coming of the Son of Man. So as you read this story, and I was pondering on this, what are some life lessons we can take away from this? I read a few funny stories about the flood and Noah's ark. I heard that someone asked the question, who was the greatest financier in the Bible? Someone said it was Noah. He was floating his stock while everyone else was in liquidation. There was a grandchild sitting with her on her grandfather's lap and listening to the Bible story of Noah's ark Where are you in the ark? Were you in the ark, Grandpa?" she asked. He chuckled and replied, Why, no, I wasn't. And then there was a pause and the child looked up quizzically and added, Then why weren't you drowned? Valuable lessons about the life from Noah's ark. Someone has said, Don't miss the boat. Remember that we are all in the same boat. Plan ahead. It was raining when Noah built the ark. Stay fit. When you're 600 years old, someone may ask you to do something very big. Don't listen to the critics. Just get on with the job that needs to be done. Build your future on high ground. For safety's sake, travel in pairs. Speed isn't always an advantage. The snails were on board with the cheetahs. When you're stressed, float a while. Remember, the ark was built by amateurs, the Titanic by professionals. No matter the storm, when you are with God, there's always a rainbow waiting. These are some things that people have put down about lessons you could learn. But I have four lessons to bring to you this morning of Noah and the ark that define us today, who we are and where we're going It's based on Hebrews 11 and verse 7. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world because heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. Faith. So number one, we need to take God seriously and believe and act. Noah wasn't particularly qualified. He had no degree in engineering or seamanship. We know nothing about his upbringing, his occupation, his source of income. Noah was given a difficult task to build a large boat and which had never existed because it was going to rain in a way it had never rained before. Building a massive barge in the middle of Mesopotamian desert in the in the obvious expression of Noah's faith. Noah didn't debate with God about it, nor did he just pray about it. His mind what said was, well, God said it, I believe it, that settles it, I'm gonna do it. It is said of him, Noah did everything just as God had commanded. Noah did all the Lord commanded him. He lived faith always produces loving obedience in the lord but the inverse is true also this obedience is often the result of absence of faith because when we don't do what god word says it's because we don't believe what god says living by faith takes god's word seriously like noah did we need to apply god's word to our lives you see your Responsiveness will determine how much the Spirit of God can work in your life. Jesus would say, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. You think of it today, God doesn't just want to visit you from time to time. He wants to make his home inside of your heart And this will transform your life and your self-identity and give you a purpose that you have been longing for. Our lesson number one that we learned this morning is that obedience to God and His Word unlock opportunities in our life. Opportunities for God. Opportunities for our family. Opportunities for our very future. When you come to God and Grant, come and say, I will obey you, Lord, because you have spoken through your word, written word to me. It unlocks opportunities that in other words would remain closed to you. Number two, the Lord favors those who walk in righteousness. In holy fear, Noah built an ark to save his family, but by his faith he condemned the world and became heir of Righteousness. Note how righteous man can make a difference in this world. The first time words like we see righteous, blameless in the life of Noah. These words are used first time in the book of Genesis. It reflects the dark times that Noah was in just a couple of hundred years after the fall in Genesis chapter 1. But from here on, these two words, righteous, blameless, will be used numerous times with respect to those who love God and follow God. The Bible says Noah was a righteous man. He was in right standing before God. He was defined by his right relationship with God. He was justified by God because of that relationship. You see, we don't just make God in our image. We allow God to be who he is, and we learn, learn to conform to his image, not the contrary. Noah's relationship did come from doing good works but as good works came as a result of his righteousness or right standing before god noah was saved not because of his good works but because of god's provision alone he was blameless among the people of his time This talks of standing before men in his generation. He lived as a man of integrity. He wasn't perfect, but nothing was found glaring against him. The earth was filled with corruption and violence. But Noah walked with God in a dark time. And we learn from Noah that it is possible, despite ridicule and peer pressure, not to compromise, and that God notices you when you walk with Him, and you walk even when there are dark places around you. We read Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. You see, favor is not based on merit, reward, or accomplishment. By faith, he constructed the ark, and Noah walked with God during a time possibly of loneliness. He preached 120 years and didn't have one convert. At times, it's impossible to please, it seems impossible to please God and to please the world at the same time. We are called to walk with the Lord, to be set apart from the world, to be different, which can lead us in being rejected at times like Jesus was. You ever feel lost as you're trying to love God and to love the world? You ever wondering if God sees you when you feel all alone and rejected and ridiculed by those who do not honor the integrity you're trying to honor in for God's glory? Eugene Peterson said these words, Faith heroes never let their relationship with people outrank their relationship with the Lord. Closeness to God sometimes means alienation from men. He cared more about what God thought about him than what other people thought about him. For some of you today, this is a step you need to take. Your fear of men is stunting your spiritual growth. It's drowning your faith and limiting your what God can do in your life. Oswald Chambers said: the remarkable thing about fearing God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear of God, you fear everything else. Noah's legacy was that he became an heir of righteousness, building this monstrous boat. His testimony witnessed uh, uh, to his culture. Our challenge is to live without spiritual compromise. So I ask you the question this morning. What's your witness to the culture you live in? Marriage is to be a lifelong union between a man and a woman. Is your witness holding up in a society that is compromising this truth? Husbands are to have a leadership role in the family without physical and verbal and psychological or sexual abuse. Are you mistreating your wife in any way? If so, your witness is lacking. By rejecting the definitions of human life that marginalize and devalue the unborn, The physically and mentally handicapped and the elderly, refusing to tolerate racism in the name of civil liberty. We are called, my friends, to navigate our culture as heirs of righteousness. Living by faith in living and loving a holy God will cut against the grain of culture. In essence, we are called to be counter cultural not just flowing along with the streams of this world. When you stand up for righteousness in the fear of God, it is evidence of a spiritual backbone. And God says that he sees you and he favors you when you walk in such a way in this world. Now we know Noah, he was a good man. He was a hard-working man. Some, Some, maybe just like you and I today, but he was frustrated by the corrupt and violent society that he was living in. Noah felt very responsible for his family. Coming to know God and through his life and testimony, his entire family came to faith in God. I mean, they watched their dad and they noticed how he worked hard and he labored with his hands to provide for his family. They found out that he would be there for them no matter what needs they would have. They heard how other people laughed at him and their hearts were broken because they thought, my father doesn't deserve this. They respected their father to do the very best to make sure their family was strong and close and faithful to God. While others went after possessions social positions and popularity with their uh, evil people. Noah went into the presence of God. No one listened, Noah listened to what God was saying to him. He didn't just pray and then go his own way. He paid attention when God warned him about the days he was living in. Noah made a change. Changes in his family life. He went to prepare the ark for safe to save his house. He changed his work schedule, his spending habits, his hobbies, and how he related to his three children. When God commissioned him to do this, it changed his life. Why? Well, he wanted everyone in his family to be saved. It meant that much, so much to him that he stood tall in a land where men and women were weak and spineless. He took a stand. He was man enough not to sit back and idly watch three children go the ways of the world. He was a real father who loved his children. He was the kind of man that children could look up to. He was humble and caring, but he was bold and he was strong. And I believe there are men like that here today. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and so can we, When the father decides to be a real man, full of faith and godliness, caring, gentle, and when fathers change their way of living in order to save their families, we can expect our families to follow the father's faith. Your family's fathers need you to lead the way. Lesson number two we learn from Noah. Character. Righteousness, not perfection. Counts to God and to our family. Number three, by God's grace to you and your family, you can survive any storm. You ever been on those airplanes where all of a sudden at the beginning they have the wait- stewardess in the front and they come out with the oxygen masks? Well, they try to make you understand the fact that, you know, if ever there's a lack of oxygen, well, you're supposed to take the mask. Now, what are you supposed to do? When, the, when there's a lack of oxygen in a cabin of an airplane, you take the mask and put it on your child or your wife. Or who do you you put it on yourself first? They tell you, you got to take care of yourself because if you're fainting, you can't help anybody else. The same is true when you talk about your future in this world. You've got to take care of yourself before you can take care of others, because if you're not okay, you can't help others. You need to be ready for the storms that are coming your way. What kind of storms are we talking about? I mean, there's financial storms and health storms and relationship storms and emotional storms. I suppose there are so many kinds of storms as there are people, and there's severity of storms. Some storms are more of an inconvenience, but some storms are life-changing. They're devastating. Some storms come up quickly. But with Jesus, you can survive your storms. What I want to say to you this morning is that God, don't don't tell God how big your storm is, but learn to tell the storm how big your God is this morning. In Matthew 7, we have this story where Jesus talks about two people who are building and that one is built upon the rock and the other is built upon the sand. But when the storm came, the person built upon the sand, his house Collapsed, but the person who was built upon the rock, his house stood firm. What made the difference? It wasn't the house nor the storm, it was the foundation upon which it was built. The wise man heard and obeyed. Only after hearing God's instructions and obeying will you survive the storms of life. You start with yourself. Are you hearing God for yourself personally right now? Is He speaking to you at this moment? Are you just here as an attender? To have God in your life doesn't mean sailing on a boat with, just with no storms, it means having a boat that the storm can't sink. The storms of life are inevitable. My wife and I have been through so many storms and we look forward to sharing you some of those storms this Friday night as we talk about the four seasons of marriage. But you must prepare yourself for them. It's great spiritual formation takes place during these storms, God shapes your inner life. You think you're going to drown. You think you're overwhelmed. You think you can't take it anymore. But when you have an ark, when you're in the ark, no ark will be destroyed and you will make it through your storm. Did Noah wonder if God had forgotten him all that time, you know, on the boat? You know, he's in this giant uh, boat bobbing up and down on the waves. Uh, I mean, there's just clouds over his head. The sun's not shining. Uh, Did he sort of kind of lose hope sometimes? He can't see the sun. He's just drifting on the surface of the endless ocean that surrounds him. Have you ever felt abandoned by God? Have you ever wondered if God has forgotten you uh, We read in Genesis 8, the waters flooded the earth for 150 days. But God remembered Noah and his family. You see, God was at work while the land was drying. He gave a sign from a dove with an olive leaf in its mouth. And later the dove didn't come back at all, which was a sign to Noah that there must be land that's drying God never told him how long the flood would last, but he didn't need to know. When will this end, we ask ourselves. I'll tell you, it's in God's time. Not one day sooner, not one day later. Nothing can rush or change or hinder God's design for his children. You see, in our doubt and confusion, we rest on the truth that God can make the dry ground appear any time He chooses. We may for forgotten and abandoned in the flood, but the dry land will appear in due time. God doesn't always spare us from the pain of life, but reminds us that even in sadness, even in moments of despair, we're never alone. We're never forgotten. In the midst of the great flood, God stayed true to his promise. It says, the Lord looked down on the earth and remembered to have mercy on eight people floating in a big barge with all those animals. And God will do the same thing for you today. He remembered his covenant and he placed a rainbow in the sky as a sign of his promise. If there were no storms, there would be very few rainbows. The rainbows come after the rain, not before. Weeping endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, we know that all things work together for good for those that love God. And that God makes all things beautiful in His time. If we look up, we'll see God's rainbows, the signs and tokens of His love here and there about us, all around us. The storms of life do not mean that things are out of control. This is a covenant of pure grace made in spite of human sin, not because of any supposed human goodness, human faith, or human obedience. He remembers those who suffer. And he keeps his eyes on them. Though they suffer long and feel forgotten, the Almighty will not abandon them. As God remembered Noah, so he will remember you and me. There's no trial too severe that will separate you from the love of God. Our lesson number three is this. You and your family are safer with God in the middle of a storm than you are anywhere else without him. Number four, the ark points to Jesus. And I ask you, are you in the ark of safety? Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. In the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Noah's ark can be compared to Jesus Christ. He is the ark of our salvation. To everyone who believes in Him, God never said, Make four or five arks and let people decide which one they'll go into. You see, Jesus is the door that God gives in love and mercy for your salvation, it is the door not one of many ways that you can take. God gave his very best because he values you above all else in this world, and he is reaching out today to you. The ark saved everyone who entered. Everyone who comes to Christ will be saved. The ark was a place of total security. No matter how high the waters rose, the people and the animal inside were safe. The winds were howled and the waves crashed against the side. The rain came down 40 days and 40 nights, but it didn't matter. The ark was so strong that it persevered and everything inside was protected. Those who come to Christ find that they're not only saved, but they are safe forever, eternally secure. Only God, once God shut the door... No one else could enter. While the door was open, anyone could enter and be saved from the coming flood. Once the door was shut, it would not be opened until the flood was over. Today is the day of grace. The door of salvation is open to all who care to enter. Whosoever may freely come. The invitation goes out to the world. He delays judgment that all may come to repentance. His day of grace will not last forever. Death comes to all men sooner or later, and there will be a time when the gospel call will end and judgment must begin. We must answer this question. Are you in the ark of safety? What about your family today? It has been said many otherwise good and decent people are trying to do the dog paddle their way to heaven. But that's like saying I can swim from Montreal to England doing the dog paddle. Good luck. No one can make it through their efforts and their abilities. You would surely drown. Jesus alone can save you from your sins. Lesson number four is, if you want to go to heaven, you must be in the ark. Jesus is the ark of your salvation. So what defines you today? Who are you? What people t- say about you? What At work, what they talk about you? What, who are you? What defines you? Number one, obedience to God and his word unlocks opportunities with God, family and future. Number 2, character, righteousness, not perfection counts to God and our family. When you find favor in the eyes of God, your fa- and your family, it'll make a world of difference for your future. Number 3, you and your family are safer with God in the middle of the storm, than you are anywhere else without him. By God's grace, you and your family can survive any storm that comes your way. And lastly, if you want to go to heaven, you must be in the ark. Jesus is the ark of your salvation. We read in the Bible, as God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. And I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the time of salvation. It's a sobering message that defines us today. But one, if we're really listening can save our family, can give us a future, and brings hope This above and beyond the storms and the hopelessness and the darkness and the violence that surrounds us. We stand tall, we stand strong, because Jesus is our ark of salvation. And nothing can separate me from the love of God. Can I say a big amen to that today? Do you believe that today? Stand with me today, please, for a moment. I just want to pray and then turn it back to Pastor Joe. Father God, today you see those who are gathered here today. We have been challenged by your word today. We recognize, oh God, like Noah, that we must be men and women who lead our families That sometimes our choices are not always easy. Sometimes the fear of men overwhelms us. But today, oh God, we consider more the words of God than we do just the opinions of men. And we pray, Lord, you would convict us that not only we would hear the word of God, but we would do something different in response to God's word, because that's when the favor of God comes upon us. Give the courage to those who are gathered to not only, O oh God, believe, but to obey also God's word, not just to follow their ideas or their feelings or the world opinions, but to stand as a countercultural force of the grace of God in this world, to shine brightly, even though darkness might surround them, but the light of God brights, brightly shines beyond all of that. Thank you, Lord. You're bringing some out of the storm. Today, you are getting rid of much hopelessness that some are feeling. Some of you today are feeling hopeless, feeling kind of down and under, wondering what's it all about. I'm telling you what defines you. It's the grace of God found in Jesus Christ. Today, say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. You've loved me. You've died for me. My sins are forgiven when I believe in you. You are the door. And I want to walk in security above all fears. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Thank you, Jesus. We love you and give you our lives. And thank you for directing them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Pastor John. Thank you, Pastor Ron. That's a great
0: message. Um, Before you leave today, uh, Pastor Ron will be available here around the front. If you would like to talk with him, he's available to pray for you. And uh, so please feel free to do that and visit with him before you leave today. And uh, also, if you want to register for the... uh, The night on Friday night, you can do so out in the foyer, and remember to pick up your kids as well, but please take advantage of the time that we have with Pastor Ron and do that. And finally, you are going to see some really nice, tasty cupcakes right outside on the table. Those are from Kingston and Carthaga, who have brought them in for the whole congregation. They brought enough in, so thank you. Boy, we should do baby dedications every week. Uh, so please don't rush out, okay? Enjoy the fellowship that we have. We've purposefully gone as tight as we can today on time so that you can enjoy time after. Visit with the Russ. Sign up for Friday night. God bless you. Have a great day today.